this rhythm. All right, we are starting our study of Ephesians um, this morning, and so we'll spend the next 30 weeks or so in the book of Ephesians, get us through the summer at least. Um, and there's much there for us, but we're going to talk about where we begin this morning. And so Ewan is going to read for us. Are you going to pray? Yeah, you, you see with the, you know, trust the spirit. You'll be fine. All right, hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can click on events, find Reservoir Church. All the notes in scripture will be there for you. It'll also be on the wall, or you can just have it in your lap. Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That was it. Um, dear Jesus, thank you for this day that we can be together at church. And thank you for the Bible that we can read it and talk about it. And thank you for my dad that he can be our pastor and lead us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. All right, Ephesians 1, 1 through 3. We have all that we need in Christ. We have exactly what we need in this in Christ. Everything that we've been given by the work that he's accomplished, what he's done, and what he calls us in light of who he is, is all we need. It's perfect. This week... I spent some time contemplating discipleship and what does it mean to lead us as a church as we continue to look at scripture and see our lives transformed and follow the call that we answer in Jesus and how we spur one another on to the things that he has set before us. And I kept thinking about this week about Orion in the wilderness. And for those of you who don't know who Orion is, he's one of our middle school Students who's keeping his head down right now, so he will not be embarrassed. But for Christmas, Orion wanted tools that would help him become a wild man, right? And so he wants to eventually, as I understand it, right, to be able to hunt, kill, and cook his own food in the wilderness. Admirable, right? So he was outfitted with a survival kit for Christmas that had like a hundred knives. Uh, finger saw, flint, and what was I not supposed to talk about? Stuff to start a fire. I don't know why they just didn't include a lighter. Um, (laughs) Right? An axe, some emergency sleeping bags, like just all the things you would need to be able to survive out in the wilderness. A book even on survival, like how to get things done. So that pertains to having a book that guides us through things, right? And He had everything that he needed for that endeavor to become this wild man that was able to provide for himself in nature, to survive in the wild. And it's kind of a a lost ability of us as modern humans, right? Just the ability to go out into the wild and survive. And it's exciting, especially for like a 14-year-old kid to be able to want to do this. And then His dad and he, they skipped church last week and they went out and camped to live into this calling to be a man of 
nature, right? And the result of the trip, though, was caught in a picture of Orion and Aaron eating grilled cheese sandwiches by the campfire, right? So not exactly what he had planned, but I'm told at the end of the trip, Orion told his dad that he wouldn't survive in the wild on his own, right? I think Aaron said, me neither, or something along those lines. And the truth is, you just don't wake up and become Bear Grylls overnight, right? Just because Santa brought you a survival kit does not mean you have the requisite skills to use all of those tools. And the truth is that Orion will eventually be able to survive on his own in the wild. Like, I have faith in this young man to see it through. If he doesn't give up but keeps on learning, keeps on growing and gaining skill, he will do fine. But he needs to be taught, right? He needs to be mentored, maybe by someone other than his dad, evidently, in the survival business, right? But he needs to be discipled into these things, right? He needs to watch every episode of Man vs. Wild. And as we roll into the new year, the call of this, the call of the wild for Orion essentially matches for us our own experience of following Jesus because we want to grow in godliness, right? We want to be further along than we actually are. And we may find ourselves thinking in certain situations that we're not sure we're able to survive in the midst of it. So enter into our story Ephesians, our guide, our discipleship tool, the written call to the church everywhere to live in light of the one that we call Savior. And it begins just by telling us that we have what we need in Christ. Here's this epistle to the Ephesian church. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church and Paul, you'll remember, is this one-time hunter of Christians that had a miraculous conversion after meeting the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then he gives his life, essentially the totality of his life, to proclaim the gospel and to plant churches throughout the world. And then he would write to those believers that he knew and those that he had yet to meet to encourage and exhort them in the ways of Jesus And this most of the New Testament for us is these letters to the churches. And Ephesians happens to be in a class that we call the prison letters. It's held by most scholars that he wrote this letter along with Colossians and Philemon while in prison. And this letter, while many manuscripts match our translation that it says to the saints in Ephesus, in many manuscripts that was blank. So it's thought that this letter was to all of the churches in Asia Minor. Ephesus just happened to be the biggest of them, and so that was the one that was kept the longest. N.T. Wright, a British scholar, says, These letters all emphasize the universal sovereignty of Jesus and the call for the churches to model in their own communities the cosmic reconciliation achieved by God through Christ. So Ephesians happens to be the least situational of all of Paul's letter. He's he's not writing to deal with a specific problem in the church, but instead is a circular letter meant for the whole circuit of Asia Minor. It's a manifesto for the church, describing the church's 
essence and identity of who we are, how it came to be, and how it must conduct itself in the kingdom of Christ and what its mission is within the larger framework of Christ's cosmic rule. Like, How do we play? How do we survive? How do we live in light of Christ as the church? One scholar says its ecumenical message is for the church everywhere in every age, namely that Christ reconciles all races and cultures by bringing them to himself and making them one with him and with one another. It is a message of unity, a message for the church, and a message for a fragmented, war-torn world. So the letter's central message for us is that there is peace and unity to be found in Christ. And this is where we begin. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, to those that are set apart and full of faith. And that will be the way in which we encounter this scripture this morning. Those that believe in Jesus, that his life, death, and resurrection was actually for you, these descriptors is the saints that are faithful apply to you. But maybe they don't necessarily apply in the way that you most expect them to apply. So we start with that idea of being set apart to the saints. The Greek word just represents holy, set apart, consecrated, dedicated, the saints of the Lord. We are holy, and we often think of holy as a word that is defined essentially by being perfect, right? Which it, it is to a great extent, but it's not our perfection that is highlighted in this letter to the church. It always has this uniqueness and set apart reality to it uh, it represents being different provision for something specific for god but set apart for his glory for all of redemptive history it's what god's people are called they are called holy his and only his that they belong to yahweh and being a saint means you are set apart for him when we come to the New Testament, there's this new covenant and the predominantly Gentile audience of Ephesians now gets in on the action of the redemptive story of God's people all throughout history. One writer says applying the privileged word saints to pagan Greeks was mind boggling to those with a Jewish background. Hebrew detractors considered it a rape of sacred vocabulary, but from the Christian perspective, it was a fitting word to celebrate the miracle of God's grace. That you are a saint. And this is the church by faith. Christ, through his death, has made the church holy, set us apart to be God's people of the new covenant. And Nevertheless, still believers must also then reflect the holiness of God who called them. And by appropriating a term that was used for God's covenantal people in the Old Testament, Paul here is reminding his Gentile readers, which is the predominance of us, that we stand within the stream of God's redemptive history. That we're on 
purpose and we are set apart in him. And in the New Testament, it is among the only descriptors giving to believers. Another writer says, scripturally speaking, the saints are the body of Christ, Christians, the church. All Christians are considered saints. All Christians are saints and at the same time are called to be saints. Christians are saints by virtue of their connection with Jesus Christ. Christians are called to be saints to increasingly allow their daily life to more closely match their position in Christ. This is the biblical description and calling of the saints. This is how we live life now in Christ. Orion is already a wild man, and he's becoming a wild man. You are already in Christ. If you've believed in him and his life, death, and resurrection for you, you are a saint, and you are becoming a saint in Christ. And the focus of Ephesians is not so much on the believer's union with Christ in his death, but our union with him in his resurrection, exaltation, and enthronement, that because he reigns over all things, we now live in light of that reality. It's a recognition of our standing as blameless, as righteous in Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you are a saint. And that means that God has set you apart for his special purposes in this world, and he has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. That is all you need. One writer, Sharon James, says, Saint doesn't mean perfect, not by a long shot. Saint means set apart for holy use. After we are born again, as Jesus calls it, God never looks at us and thinks, there goes that sinner saved by grace, bless her heart. Rather, he looks at us and calls us saints, redeemed and set apart. If we see ourselves only as sinners saved by grace, then we'll act like sinners saved by grace and expect very little from our transformation as a new creation in Christ. However, if we see ourselves as saints, then we'll be more likely to see ourselves as set apart for the things of God. If we continue to see ourselves just as sinners saved by grace, we'll approach the Father expecting judgment and begging for crumbs rather than a grateful Grace-filled saints expecting promises fulfilled. And it's not by our own work or our perfection or our caliber that we bring to the table, but it's all by Christ's work for us because of what Jesus has done and what he has given in uh, his place, he grants it to us. And now that's all the security we need, that's all the standing we need, that's all the identity we need to live for his glory and experience our good. So when we say, I can't survive, the truth is, well, not by yourself, but Jesus can. And in him, we are given the grace and peace we need to make it through all of life. And in him as saints, we are distinct. We are unique. We stand out identifying with Christ in our life that becomes the most important thing about us and what becomes noticeable to those that are around us all of our hopes our aspirations the way we work the way we study the way we create the way we love and serve others looks different than the world 
Ephesians as a book is essentially just two halves, and we'll kind of experience this as we go through it. There's this theological foundation, which some of us are just going to nerd out in these first like 10, 15 weeks. We're like, yeah, theology, woo, right? And then the second half, those last 10 weeks, some of us are going to be like, woo, yes, I get to do something, practicality, this is great. The idea for all of us is that we would merge us. We'd be so excited by the theology of what Christ has done that we would live in light of it the way that Ephesians calls us to live. So this foundation compels us to live set apart, dedicated to Christ. And Paul is not wasting a single word here just by throwaway lines of, oh, to the saints. No, this is significant. This is who you are in Christ. The church looks different than those outside it, not in some pretentious way as if we are better than others, but in a humble reliance on Jesus to live in his way. And being a saint is not an add-on to believing in Jesus. It is just who you are. You do not have to answer the question if you'd like fries with that. It just comes with the meal, right? I'm hungry. We are saints. And we are saints in a place. Here it's in Ephesus. But you need to know that Jesus has purposed for you to be where you are, that you would trust in him and reveal him to others. To the saints in Escondido. To the saints in Encinitas. And I'm only going to use the E words. Are there saints in Temecula? Yes. To the saints in Poway, to the saints in Penasquitas, to the saints in Carmel Valley. Who else? What else? Forest. Hey, hey. Okay. Ramona. RB. You live in Poway. Why do you care? Oh, those guys. You're being kind to others. Right? But you are in a place which is geographically so close to this place. And that's on purpose, that you would be a redeeming influence where you are, that people would know there are saints here. But more than this, we are saints who are faithful. This is the idea of being full of faith. And I think this is more than just the the flourish of writing here in his greeting portion of the letter. Saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And falling The reality of being saints, being faithful here, is not something that is actually an earned title. And that's often how we approach it when we see this word in Scripture. Even though that we see it that way, this is meant to have that same reality of being a saint. You are a saint because someone else did work for you, and you are also faithful because you rely on that someone else. One supporting text says in verse one, the word faithful does not mean dependable as much as full of faith in Christ Jesus. So the sense here is one of hope. It's where we place our hope that matters. The church is those who have full faith in not themselves and their strategy, not their address or their ability, not in their pastor or their worship team, but that have faith in Jesus. And I think about Becca last week at our um, celebration service where she was highlighting the difficulty of raising kids, right? In our modern age. And it's not just millennials. It was hard for all of us, right? 
But she talked about that, that sanity actually comes when you are raising kids in community. You realize other people have gone before you, and they messed up too, so it's okay, right? But we realize that we're all just trying our best, and we're all living as what? People in need of Jesus. And that's where the hope is. That's where the delivery of sanity comes because you're not relying on your own equipping or ability, but on Christ to get you through. And so the saints in the church are those that recognize our need and dependence on Christ for all of life. And we live this because he gives us what we need. So I've gone all the other places trying to find satisfaction for life and I haven't found it there and it's only found in Jesus and he lavishes us with his grace to get through. The Apostle Peter will say in one of his letters, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things. The Greek there means all things, right? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So all things that pertain to life and godliness just by the knowledge of him being in relationship with Jesus. I love how the message translation sets it up. This will help Dave. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who has invited us to God, the best invitation we've ever received. And when we get that idea, it's an epiphany. It's the best idea. This is amazing. Our minds are blown. Our hearts are to be transformed by the truth. And sometimes we can put the pressure on us, can't we? We make circumstances about our faith and how strong is my faith, right? Oh, I didn't get that promotion because my faith wasn't strong enough. Or I didn't find that healing because I didn't have enough faith. It wasn't strong enough. And that's we end up thinking that's why we miss things or life doesn't go a certain way. And there are movements not so far from us that spiritually abuse people by saying that is true. But I want you to know it is not, however, about your ability to gin up faith that matters in all of Scripture, but it is the object of your faith that matters. Because can Jesus deliver? Yes. I don't have strong faith. I don't care about your faith. So what do you have faith in? And Paul's saying here to the church that are saints and faithful in Christ Jesus that they have put their faith solely in Christ Jesus. And guess what? He's strong enough. He's good enough. He will carry you through. Paul will say to Timothy, one of his key disciples, the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, with Jesus, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, though, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. It's not about your faithfulness, which we want to be faithful. We want to be dependable as we would define it. But we only have hope for that when we've put our faith and hope in the appropriate place, in Jesus. 
As Charles Spurgeon, the old preacher, said, He that gives us heaven will surely give us all that is needed on the road there. We shall have enough spending money on the road to glory, for he who is guaranteed to bring us there will not starve us along the way. Just as being a saint is the fruit of Christ's work for us, then faith, too, is a gift. Later in this letter to the Ephesian church, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. It is a gift that you have faith. Elsewhere, Paul will say that we have been granted faith for the sake of Christ. We believe in him for his glory, for the sake of Jesus. And what good news this is for us. Right. 2024 can bring on whatever she may because we are rooted here as saints that are faithful. Even when we don't think we have what it takes, we can rejoice in this truth. So keep going, saints. It's who you are. Keep trusting Jesus, being full of faith in Christ. It's what you're called to it's how you're described and it is how life starts in jesus you are to live marked by his finished work on the cross by his resurrection his capability for finishing what he started in you for his glory and your good so paul uses two words to describe christians in ephesus saints and faithful and every christian is both The word saint means holy ones. We have been sanctified or set apart unto God. We are saints because of what Christ did for us. He made us clean and makes us holy. A Christian is a person made holy by God, a saint, and a person who trusts in Christ faithful. And worship is where this leads. From the beginning of being a saint and being made faithful, In trusting in Christ, we end up singing with Paul, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So the truth is, Christ is in the heavenly realms at this moment, and so are we. He is there literally, and we are there representatively, as members of his body. He is there as our head and brings our actual presence with him because we are in him. And believing this will greatly elevate our Christian living. And one writer says that Paul's massive conception of the heavenlies and this present relation to them that we see here in Ephesians and elsewhere endowed Paul with noble motivation and great energy for his earthly ministry. And I think it is meant to do the exact same thing for us. Oh, but life is so hard. He's given us everything, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What more do I need? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. He's promised to carry me through, to bring me to the place of completion, all the way home with him. I know I can trust him. He's got me this far, so far. We are blessed in Jesus with every spiritual blessing heaven has to offer, and we get to live in light of that reality, and that's what all of Ephesians is going to invite us into. We have what we need in Christ. 
And friends, that's a whole of heck of a lot better than roasted squirrel on a campfire. This is life. It's what we need to survive and thrive by the work of Jesus for us being saints, holy, set apart for his glory, who are faithful, full of faith in him. The invitation today is first just to get in on this, right? Believe in Jesus, that he is God with us who lived a life of obedience that we could not and who gladly gave himself so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's an invitation just to repent, to turn from pursuing what's below and trust him instead. Stop trusting in self and look to him. Put on his newness in Jesus. As Paul will say to the Colossian church, writing at the same time as he's writing uh, Ephesians, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It's your life now and where it's heading, all fully cared for in Christ. So get in on this. And then for many of us, it's just a call to get going with this. It's who you are. It's what the word declares of you. It's what Jesus speaks over you. And now you just get to live into it. Live this way his call in your life in community for the good of others around you let the foundational truths of ephesians live through you in all the glorious practical ways it will call us to live and commit to living as faithful saints together the truth is one guy in the wilderness may not be able to survive but a hundred of us together for the glory of jesus certainly will Some nights may get cold. Some mornings our stomachs may long for warm food, but we have what we need in Christ, and it only gets better from here. This is where we begin. You pray with me. Jesus, we thank you that you, by your work and your decree, have called us saints who are faithful in you, those that are set apart for your purposes and your glory and that are full of faith in you, that you truly will accomplish all that you've promised for us and in your kingdom. Lord, for some of us, maybe this will be the first time that we truly trust in you and Think of ourselves as saints. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make that clear to us, that our hearts would be strangely warmed even in this moment. Lord, for so many of us, we've lived as declared followers of Christ for a very long time, but we haven't uh, leaned into the reality of our sainthood and our faithfulness in you. Would you help us by your spirit to have increased trust in you that you alone would be that which we put our faith in? That we'd see transformation. That we'd see opportunity to extend your kingdom and to lift your name high wherever 
we are. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.